Well, we're in just a short two-week series um, that will end today, and then next week we will start a new series uh, in the season of Advent, which is the, the time when we begin to pre- prepare ourselves for Christmas. And so I hope you'll come back next week as we start a new series. Uh, but today we're going to continue talking about how to live generously. If you were here last week, we talked about how living generously is way more than just about money. Uh, we, we often think about that being the main subject of being generous. And so sometimes when the church begins to talk about that, because of experiences, uh, we, we can begin to be a little nervous and, and worried. And just let me say this about money. I, I did just a little bit last week, but, but just know that money can grip your heart. Money can actually be a tool for good or evil. And so just, just know that as maybe we're not talking about living generously with, with money over the last, last week and this week, uh, money is still a really important thing. Uh, money is one of those things that can be a barrier to knowing God or being known by God, but even a barrier to being used by God. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about other ways of being generous, but just know that the expectation of God I believe, is that we would live generous with everything that we have, right? And we say that, our, our, our money, our time, our talent, our resources, uh, and we want to be generous people. Last week I told you generosity is the readiness, the readiness to give more of something, to give more of something than is necessary or expected, And so I think generosity can be a matter of the heart. It can be a window or a picture into our heart and how we are doing. And last week, we talked about the power of our words. And I encourage you to be generous with your words. I told you that the tongue has the power of life and death, that words kill and destroy, or they give life. Words are either poison or fruit. And so maybe I'm wrong, but I believe, because I know for myself this to be true, and I I think it's true for you as well, is that you want to live in such a way that your actions brings life. I think. That that you want to bring life to the people around you. You want to bring life to our community. You don't want to just exist. That that I really think that you want your life to be generous. You, You don't want to be someone who... Uh, brings death. Uh, over the summer, we, we have just a temporary blow-up pool, and I know every year that we put that up, at the end of the year when I remove that, everything under it will be dead. Yeah. I just know. It will kill everything under it, and I will have to plant seed, and I will have to water, and I will have to fertilize, because I want life to come back there. And, and I want that for you as well. I want you to see the opportunity to to have a life-giving experience, that that your life matters. And so I want you to be productive. I want to be productive. I want us to accomplish something significant. And so I think one of the ways that we do that is with our words. And so as we talk about generosity, ultimately what we're saying is that we want to look to the interest of others and not simply just to the interest of others. Of ourselves. That, that ultimately is what it means to be generous. Uh, the opposite of living generous is to live uh, closed-fisted, right? Not open-handed. To be generous means that we, we are freely, when ready, 
uh, to give more than necessarily, necessary. Give, give what's needed. And so we don't want to live close-fisted. We want to live open-handed. And the practice of being generous in all things, if you're consistent with it, will eventually become a habit. That, that you won't have to begin to think about being generous. I was thinking about that this week as we think about our words. And right now, you might have to think about that as you begin to speak, right? You, you might have to work through that. Is this needed right now, right? We, we talked about, is this needed? Is this something that is truthful? And you, you work through that. But, but hopefully, over time, it becomes a habit to where you speak. It's just natural for your words to bring life. As we talk about money, it just becomes natural. When you see a need and you have the ability to help, uh, that you respond. It just becomes a habit. And, and what we're going to talk about today, I hope that is true as well. The topic for today, um, the, the author Harvey Mackey, who has sold over 10 million books, said this about our, our topic. See if you can figure out what it is that we're going to talk about. He says, it's free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Time. Uh, today we're going to talk about time. And I'm going to encourage you to be generous with your, with your time. See, time is an interesting thing to me. Uh, there are a lot of inequalities in our world. It's easy to see. It's easy to look around and just see that things aren't always equal with, with people. Uh, but, but time is the great equality. Uh, we all have the same amount of time. You have no more or no less than I do. We may have different income levels and budgets, experiences. However, we all have 24 hours in a day. You can't buy more time and time can't be taken away from you. And so the question we all have to wrestle with in our lives is whether or not we will use our time wisely. Will we put our time to good use, that which we have been given? We can't speed it up when we want to get through something quickly, and we can't slow it down to stay where we don't want to leave. And the thing about time, and there, are, there are those moments where time seems to fly by. Uh, my, my wife, who uh, I'm thankful she's been able to be with us today, she broke her leg uh, two weeks ago tomorrow. And for me, I can't speak for her, uh, but the last two weeks have flown by. Uh, I'm going to guess that's not true for her. Uh, she's basically lived on the couch, but for me, it feels, feels like she hurt her leg yesterday. Uh, and, and time has just uh, flown for me. Now, on the other hand, I started getting a stone um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it has been dragging on. I finally, finally brought my stone into this world uh, a couple of days ago. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Six millimeters, a quarter of an inch uh, stone. Yeah, uh, I'm proud of that. And, uh, but I am, I am thankful that it is no longer in me. But I'll tell you what, man, those 17 days seem to drag. Right? We, we live in those areas, right? We, we often wish we could slow time down or speed it up. I caught myself even this week as I was thinking about things I needed to do or want to do that I made statements like, I just don't have any time. Or there just isn't enough time in the day. Uh, I felt pushed for time. I felt rushed. I felt in a hurry in moments. And if you're like me, you don't want to waste your time. 
You don't want to waste your time. You may, you may not have really thought about that, but you, you don't want to waste your time. The way I know that is because if I, if I come to an intersection, I'm looking at cars, which one has the, the least amount of cars in it? What kind of cars are they? Do I know who's driving those cars? I want, I want to get through the light as quick as possible. When I check out at a grocery store, I'm, I'm observing who's in line, who's checking out, what's in baskets. I don't, maybe that's just me, but I'm like, I want it, I, I'm, I'm in a hurry and I, and I want to get through those things because I have what I feel better things to do. Our culture, specifically a Western culture, is to move as fast as we can, to do as much as you can. We are not looking for slow, faster phones, faster. Can you imagine if someone uh, advertised their phone or internet as the slowest on the market? Like, that wouldn't go well, right? We want fast, right? We want things now. I can remember there's the decade challenge that's going on right now on, online, if you know, with social media. I was thinking 10 years ago, you order something, it's like seven to 10 business days. I feel like that was kind of the, Amazon is like same day delivery now, right? We, we live in this culture where you just go as fast as you can, as hard as you can. And I actually think that that can keep us from being generous with our time. That maybe that is the thief of our generosity. That it is robbing us of the opportunity to live generously with our time. And so the question I want you to wrestle with today is not how much time do you have or what you spend your time on, but are you making the most of your time? Are you making the most of your time? I'm not going to spend time today telling you necessarily what you should or should not be doing. I'm not even going to really give you ideas. There's just a couple things I want to draw to your attention that I will think, uh, I think will make us begin to wrestle with the question, am I making the most of my time? See, time is a resource. It's important, and it's something we need to be good stewards of. I want to actually start by looking at something that can actually cause us, uh, like I said, to fail to be generous, and that's the busyness and the, the rush to do more, the drive to produce something. Uh, again, in our culture, people who do that are often elevated and are looked up to, everything that they've been able to accomplish. But I actually want to kind of go backwards. I want to look uh, at the life of Jesus. Um, it's interesting to me the way Jesus used his time. He never seemed to be in a hurry. Uh, he, he never uh, attempted to accomplish more than he was supposed to in that moment. What I do know about Jesus and his time is he used it for meaningful things. So I want to observe just a few moments in his life in the beginning and see what we can learn from that. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, please take that. That's our gift to you. The page number on the screen uh, will be the page number for that Bible. Uh, we're going to look at Mark 6, uh, verse 30 and 31. Mark 6, 30, 31. Uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke and John are what are called the Gospels. It is the account of the life of Jesus. It is the story of his life, death, and resurrection. Um, we see he had these experiences with his disciples, those who were following him. He invited them to follow. Uh, in chapter 6, he has his 12 disciples, and he says, okay, I'm going to send you out. Um, you're going to go do some great things. You're going to go cast out demons, and you're going you're to heal people. And so he sends them out to do that. They have uh, great moments and they accomplish great things. They come back to Jesus 
And this is where we're going to pick up. It says in verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. They told him everything they had accomplished. I mean, can you imagine, I, I can only imagine, these guys who go out, they're proud of what they have done. Uh, it's time for them to return back to Jesus. They have done exactly what he wanted them to do. They cast out demons. They have healed people. They come back to Jesus to tell him everything that they have accomplished. And this is Jesus' response. Verse 31. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, as I, as I read this, maybe there's more that's not um, told in this story. But I think if it's me, I'm like, hold on, Jesus. Can we, can we just wait for a moment? Can I have a pat on my back? Do, do you understand everything that has been accomplished through us? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, let, let's, let's go away from everybody. Let's go take a break. Let, let's just go be together. See, I wonder if Jesus pulls away with his disciples for a couple of reasons. I wonder if he's wanting them to see that they would be more effective and could do more with their time if they would often take a break. If they would withdraw and remove themselves from people if they rested. Or maybe, and I think this might be it as well, is that Jesus didn't want them to believe that what they had done defined them. It would be very easy for the disciples to come. They had spent all their time doing good things and for them to believe that Jesus received them and welcomed them and loved them because of all the good they have done, because of how they had spent their time. And what Jesus may be trying to tell them is that it was more important just to be with him than what they had done for him. And so he just draws them in, and they pause and take a break. There's another story in Mark 1. This won't be on the screen, uh, but Mark 1, uh, verse 35. We see just before this, Jesus is healing many. Uh, so people are bringing their sick and their possessed to Jesus, and he is healing everyone. It says the whole town gathered at his door. Uh, people are waiting to be healed. And so he goes through the night and he heals people. And then verse 35 in Mark 1, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. Right? Jesus, where are you at? We still have people at the door wondering when you're going to come back. Verse 38, Jesus replies, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, I don't function this way often. I see my time as what can I do? I don't always see my time as who can I just be? Can I just, can I just be who God's created me to be? Can I find my identity in this? Jesus, in this moment, who is full of compassion, who, who knows the people who are around him, he cares deeply for them. 
He cares deeply for their hurts. He's healed hundreds of people, but there's thousands he doesn't heal. There's thousands he doesn't touch and bring back to healing or life. People needed him. People were looking for him. And his response is to go somewhere else, to draw away into solitary confinement and to pray. William Barclay, who's a theologian and writes commentaries, he says this, Now Jesus knew well that he could not live without God, the Father. That if he was going to be forever giving out, he must at least sometimes be taking in. That if he was going to spend himself for others, he must ever and again summon spiritual reinforcements to his aid. Jesus knew to be most effective with his time, he had to be in connection with the Father. He had to withdraw. That if he was going to be giving out, if he was going to be making meaningful impact in people's lives, there had to be moments when he withdrew and spent time with the Father. And can I just say this? I think if Jesus needed to do that, we probably do as well. That we must stay in connection with the Father. We must stay connected to God. And I know not all of you in here would even say maybe that you're a follower of Jesus that you're trying to figure out what that looks like, you're investigating the ways of Jesus. But can I just tell you, I believe to have the most meaningful life is one that is aligned with what God wants for us. And Jesus knew that to make significant impact, he had to spend time with the Father. Whether you've been in church or not, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. There are things like do not lie and do not murder, do not commit adultery. But in those also is instruction to keep the Sabbath. And for those who heard that during that day, it just simply meant a time to stop working, to connect with God, to not find their identity in what they were doing, but who God was and what God was doing in them. I think we have lost this. I think we have lost the idea of pausing long enough that we recognize that our identity is not found in what we do, in the good things that you're accomplishing. That does not define you. That is making meaningful moments of your life, but to have the most meaningful moments of your life, I think that we have to connect with God. And so that's what we're doing right now. That's why I think Sunday mornings are so important. I think we can go one extreme or another when we think of Sunday mornings. I think we can come at it in a legalistic way, in the sense of it's Sunday, I have to be there. It's Sunday, well, obviously that's where I'm supposed to be. Or we look at it in the sense of a license, like, well, I can go when I want to go. It doesn't really matter. If I'm free, if I don't have things going on, I'll get there. And so I think we often swing in this pendulum instead of settling in and saying, this is one of the most meaningful things I can do in, in my week. That this is not recovery from the week before. Listen, this is what I mean by that. A, a chaotic week does not end with Sabbath. A chaotic week is not meaning we come back and find rest here. What it means is this is what gets us through the next week. Um, Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament scholar, he says this, Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It is the pause that transforms. 
There's a transformation that takes place when we stop, when we find our identity and our worth in who God is and who God says that we are. It is a weekly pause of joining one another in, in worship and hearing scripture and teaching. But there is also something important to a daily Sabbath. And what I mean by that is a moment during your day where you once again stop. Maybe that's in the morning. Uh, one of the things I, I try and pray every day before I leave my house is I say, my day is yours. Would you use it to do good? My day is yours. Would you use it to do good? I just, I just pause. And I recognize that my time is best spent when I recognize who it is that gives me life. And so I, I want to just encourage you in the chaos, in the busyness, especially as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything picks up, would you understand that to be most impactful with your time might mean that you have to stop every once in a while, that you have to stop and you have to breathe. And so importance of church, importance of reading scripture, importance of prayer. See, I don't think it matters who you are. I don't care how dynamic you are, uh, how strong how great of a leader to have the best impact, the most meaningful impact, means that you are going to figure out what it is that God is asking you to do. And then you do that. And the way we figure that out is by spending time with God. See, we have to. We have to stop celebrating busy. It becomes an idol. It actually becomes something that we worship. Uh, some of you who are most closest to me, you often are concerned and worried and you think that I am, am busy, and which I am. But can I just tell you, um, because of great mentors, I have learned Sabbath. I have learned to stop. I have learned that on Fridays, I have good coffee with my wife. And I try not to answer emails or phone calls. We spend the day together uh, encouraging one another and supporting one another and just being with one another. And on that day, I am reminded that God is still in control. That even if I'm not at the church building or in my office or responding to every need that may come my way, that God is still in control. And I believe that allows me to be most effective. I don't want to be busy. I don't want to be busy simply as a sign of ego. I want to be effective. And I want to be faithful. And so I encourage you, figure out what Sabbath. See, Sundays is maybe your Sabbath. It's really not for me. And so that's why I have figured out for my own life what it looks like. And if I'm going to be generous with my time, I have to stay connected to the Father. This begins to help us see our time differently. If we begin to do that, I think we can be generous with our time. We stop and we pause. The second thing that has to happen in our life, if we're truly going to be generous with our time, is that we can't wait, right? So we rest and we find meaning in who God is and who he says we are, but then we, we don't wait, and, and here's why. There's this theme throughout the scriptures. There's a theme throughout the scriptures that has to do with time. Listen to Psalm 90, verse 12. This is a, a prayer of Moses, who maybe you've heard of before. Maybe that's a new name. Uh, Moses had a meaningful life, but, but listen to one of the prayers of Moses, Psalm 90, 12. He says this, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think Moses is praying that God would give him the ability 
to take the life God had given him and make it more meaningful. And the way he does that is to say, God, would you remind me that my life is short? Would you remind me that all I have is today? All I have is right now. And in doing that, would you give me a heart of wisdom to know what is best to do? See, I don't want to get to the end of my life, and I don't want you to get to the end of your life and begin to regret how you spent your time. To begin to wonder if you could have done things differently. I don't want to just exist, and I don't think you do either. I don't want to acquire a bunch of stuff and then be gone. I don't want to work my entire life. I don't want you to work your entire life to earn promotions and accolades and rewards and acquire a bunch of things, but lose meaningful relationships and moments that matter most. James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, he says this in James 4, 13 through 15. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He's speaking to a group of people who would have literally opened a map of their world. They would have heard where there were new cities, and they would say, oh, a new city, a new opportunity. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to spend a year there. It will be good for business. I'll get in on the, the beginning of the trade, and I will do well. And James says, there's some of you who say where they're going to go, but verse 14, he says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. See, the uncertainty of life and the point of talking about this now is not to cause you to live in fear or inaction. It is a reason for realizing our complete dependence on God. God, I got today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know my days are numbered. My, my life is uh, but a breath. And when I begin to remember that and live like that, then I begin to live generously with my time. I see that my time is not simply my own. This means that we evaluate the use and the management of our time. That's what it means to be a good steward of something. How you spend your time says a lot about how you view your purpose. Now, this doesn't mean that you should not do fun things. But I think that is extremely important. Uh, I, I, like I said before, I think there are moments where you need to just rest and find your identity in who God says you are. That we should enjoy the good gifts that God has given us. Again, on Fridays, it is a good cup of coffee with my wife. However, we don't find meaning in those things. We are not putting our hope in those things. We enjoy those things that God has given us. But when we begin to see that our days are numbered, we pay attention to the moments we have differently. We pay attention to the conversations that we have differently. We work differently. We give of ourselves differently. So we stop and we pause and we rest. And in doing that, I believe we begin to see that life is short. That it is but a, a wisp. It is a breath. And then when you begin to do this, you'll begin to set some priorities, I believe. That will align our priorities. And I just, I just want to share with you what I have learned uh, in my own life. 
My first priority is God. Uh, My first priority is my relationship with him. That's why Sabbath is important for me. I must connect and reconnect with God daily and weekly. And then the next priority is myself. And what I mean by that is not in a selfish way. Not in a way that says I'm not going to do things for others because my time is more important than their time or their experience. But what I mean is I've got to take care of my own health. I've got to take care of my mental health and my physical health. I have to take care of me. If days are numbered, I want to make the most of my days. I actually think this is why Jesus pulled away those two things. Jesus being fully human and fully God needed those moments to withdraw, to reconnect with the Father and take care of himself. And then my third priority, because I'm married, is Heather, my wife. I have made a commitment to my wife. Uh, I have not made commitments to other things like I have made to her. We stood actually here. We got married here uh, 17 uh, years ago. And it was in that moment I made a covenant to her that I would love her through everything. At some point, I will retire from being a pastor. Maybe. I don't know if I'll get to, but (laughs) you will retire from your job, hopefully. If you're married, you will not retire from that. You will not retire from being a husband or a wife. So it's God and then taking care of myself because I know if my relationship with God is well and I am well, I will be a much better husband. I will be much more generous with my time to her if that is true. And then if you have kids, my kids are next. The time you spend with your kids, it is never wasted. It is never wasted. I have began challenging myself to say yes more. And that is hard at times because I am busy and I am working hard. uh, But there are those times where uh, my boy specifically uh, is is always wanting to do something active. And so I have just began saying yes more. Yes knowing that it is never wasted. In the mornings before school, uh, Cade wants to play football. I played uh, a little bit of football, and I think Cade likes that. And so we'll go into our big yard, and I've taught Cade some routes. And so we'll throw the football in the morning. And, and there'll be mornings where he's like, can we play the football? What time, what time is it? And I'm like, but we got four minutes, so we have to leave. He's like, all right, we got three minutes. Let's go and, uh, and play football. And, and honestly, there are times where I'm like, man, three minutes, I just want to do anything. Right? I need to get things together. And so I'm I'm learning to try and say yes more because I, I know that I, I've got moments of rest. I've got moments of Sabbath, and I'm taking care of myself, and I'm loving my wife well, and I want to love Kennedy, my daughter, and Cade, my son, and I want to say yes more and more because God has given me them as a gift, and I will be good stewards of my time, and being good stewards of my time will include how I steward the time with my children. And then work. Listen, whether that's managing your home or if you work outside of the house, whatever you do, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, do it all for the glory of God. Right? And so that is important that you use your time well, that you work hard. Specifically, if you are a follower of Jesus, there should be something people notice about your work ethic. That you make the most of your time when you are 
working. That this is important to bring income to your family. It is helping uh, you have been given purpose to your life, and often that comes through how God is using you in your work. And so you commit to that, and you do well. And then this last one is really, really important. And I often think it is the one that fails because we have not given margin for it in our life. We have not made room for it, and that is your ministry. And this is what I mean by that. As a pastor, I'm not the only one that has a ministry. You you are called as a follower of Jesus to, to be the hands and feet, literally the hands and feet of Jesus, to be an ambassador for Christ. You have a ministry. Uh, some of you um, work with boys and girls at a boys and girls home. You are giving your time to that. You are making the most of your moments. So many of you do things that I catch wind of that, that you are not broadcasting or telling people about. You have created margin in your life to be able to give yourself to something meaningful. I want to encourage you as a family, as a church family, that happens here. That happens on Sundays, that happens on Wednesdays, but it also happens outside of this place. And so for me, my relationship with God is most important. My health, better husband, dad, uh, pastor, and community member. And I have to keep these in line. Anytime they get out of whack, anytime they get out of order, I, I don't think I'll have the most meaningful moments. I will be unable to be generous with my time. This last uh, week, we've had a little bit of time around our house to just watch some things. And so Heather and I watched a documentary called Free Solo. I don't know if you've seen this or heard of it. Uh, there's a picture that I want to I show you. Uh, this guy is known to climb what's called Free Solo. That means he climbs by himself and he does not use ropes. Um, he climbed El Capitan, which is in Yosemite. It is literally just a, a granite, I believe is what it is. It's a granite wall. And in this documentary, there were a few moments. He starts dating a girl, and he's got family. But it became very clear to me that he's crazy. Yes, uh, that came quickly. Uh, and as I got through my anxiety and feeling sick as I watched it, um, he, his priorities were, in my opinion, out of line. And this is what I mean by that. I'm all for him getting this rush and doing these things. But there were moments as he talked with the girl he was dating um, that, that this was the only thing that mattered to him. And he was willing to give his life, literally, to accomplish this. And my question for you is, what are you willing to give your life for? What are you willing to spend your time on? How do you want to make the most of every day that God has given you? Paul in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. For all at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What is most important? Don't, don't, don't give in and don't give up. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. As opportunity comes up, as we have the time, let us do good to all people, to live generously with our time, to, to do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Don't, don't give up. Greg, Greg's going to go ahead and come up and, and play our last song, but, but as, he, as he does this, when you feel pressed 
when you feel like culture is saying one thing, when you feel like you don't have the time to stop and to pause, what would you not give up on doing good? What would you not give up on doing what is best? Because I believe at the end of our lives, and I hope they're long for all of us, but at the end of our lives, we will look back on how we spent our time. And I know this because I've done enough bedside visits as someone is at the end of their life. And we talk about people. And we talk about moments. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me. So every day we ask God, I give you today, would you use it to do good? Would you stand as I pray? Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we would, one, be reminded of who we are. As we might find our identity in so many other things, God, would you remind us that we first, as followers of you, are your children. It's not what we do that gives us that identity, but it's what you have done on our behalf, God. Would you remind us of that? And then, Lord, would you help us to live generously? by reminding us that our lives are short and to have meaning we will set some priorities and we learn those priorities by being with you God would you speak to us today would you allow us to have conversations tough conversations in our own minds and with you as we reevaluate our own lives I pray Lord that what we have talked about and, and as we sing in a moment that what we have talked about will become true in our lives 